Chicken TV. Online. On second thought, I think I'll have the chicken. Nah, the fish. This is EPT Not Live. Hello, my babies, and welcome to EPT Not Live. I am Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton. He is my work wife, James Hardigan, and we are cobbling together a show from nothing. <laughs> no new events, no new TV shows. I've had, James, I've had a wonderful time. I've had days off. It's been fantastic. Um, instead of coming up, instead, coming up on today's show, we're going to recap events out of my personal life. Oh, God. Yeah, I had a I had a stand up show in Hoboken and a party at my house afterward, and I invited the general public. More on that later. Sorry, just to be clear, you invited the general public not to the gig, but to your house. To both, I was like, anyone who comes to the gig can come to my house afterwards. You so weirdo. I, I will tell you a little bit more about that later. Greg Merson was in attendance, and he is also in attendance for our show today. That's right. World champion Greg Merson is on the show. Superfan versus Stapes is back as always. And we've got Sean McCaffrey on the hook with some Game of Thrones trivia. And there's probably no person in the world that's a bigger fan of this show that has no idea what's going on. So um, this could be hilariously bad. Uh, there's some pretty fun things going on in the poker world. We're going to cover that in the news. But first, James Hardy, what is happening in the world of social media? Uh, let's deal with the positives, shall we, before we okay. deal with the negatives. Uh, reaction to last week's show... I think Tony Brown, the Norfolk Tiger, is getting it. He got the message of how to be a superfan or how to elevate himself <laughs> to that status because he tweets, great episode, a Hull accent from a superfan. Can we have an EPT Hull in 2017? I'm just going to go out there and say no. I'm not even going to run <laughs> this one past the live events team. I've got a feeling that's not going to happen. Uh, Sam Kierker, how do you say that? Kiakri. Wait, do you think the EPT? I can't really picture the EPT at a premiere inn. Can you? <laughs> uh, do they even have premiere inns in Hull? I think they don't go uh, above a travel lodge. Oh, okay, fine. Wow, the travel lodge EPT, the fantastic. Yeah, no, the ETAP. A, yeah. Oh, wow. All right. Yeah, I can see why you're not even going to bother wasting anyone's time with that one. Uh, Sam K, listen to the last show, and while listening to the podcast, won a tournament on PokerStars. I won my first T-Coop! Sadly, it was a satellite, but <laughs> Sam had never played PLO High Low before. First of a time playing the game while listening to our show, Binked a Satellite. It's like, a, it's like one of those where I'm like, he rivered a straight draw. He's like, I won, I won my first tournament satellite ticket. So, But still, that's awesome. Winning is good. A win is a win, and there's still value in that win, obviously. I thought you were, when you said one guy's getting it, are you, are you going to do the tweet? Didn't the guy was like, when we, I said, like, you got to kiss our butts. Oh, yeah, that was that was Tony's other tweet. Tony did okay. say, message received and understood, and sent us a picture of uh, of ass kisser gum. Uh, but then Tony sent legitimate messages as well, which to me consolidated his ascent to super fandom. Absolutely. Yeah, that was that was fast tracked. <laughs> uh, talking of super fans, Scott Campbell says great game of super fan versus Stapes this week. One of the funniest ones. Uh, yeah, you did kind of lose your shit halfway through that game. You genuinely, genuinely were not happy with the way the game was going. I was so frustrated. I didn't even get to tell. I had an anecdote about aliens. I forgot to tell because I was like so into the game. But like aliens is actually the first DVD I ever owned. Was it the special edition or just the theatrical cut? It was it was the special edition, and I had just gotten a Gateway computer, which was like the big chain computer store in America in the late 90s. It was my first computer that was my own to take to college, and it was my first DVD player was in this big tower 
of it, like this monstrosity of a computer, and so I had to get a DVD, and Aliens is the first DVD I ever owned. Nice. Uh, and talking of science fiction movies, Todd says, finally got around to seeing The Force Awakens simply because... I didn't want to miss out listening to the guys discuss it on EPT Not Live. That's really cool. He wanted to listen to the full 90 minutes, didn't want to cut himself off at the hour mark, so made sure he watched the movie so there wouldn't be any spoilers and also so he'd know what we were talking about. That's, uh, that is, I mean, that's sort of a fast track to super fandom. So that brings to an end all the positive feedback to last week's show, which sadly brings me on to my personal social media beef. Hit it! As I like to call it, the Godfather Twitter twat. What? What is? What's? Oh my God! What happened? I can't wait. I'm, First I'm, of all, I, I, wait. Let me get some popcorn. Now I know, Joe, that occasionally you often take the side of the other person in an argument with me, yeah. with good reason. Sometimes I know that you are going to be on my side for one reason and one reason alone, because the other guy has a verified Twitter account. Oh fuck this guy! And how many followers do you think he has? If it's less than me, fuck him. I'm already on your side. I don't even care. Eight hundred and ninety-seven followers. Eight hundred ninety-seven followers, and he's verified on Twitter. And I honestly, it's embarrassing how much I care about this. Like my my parents asked me what I wanted for Christmas. I told them Twitter verified, and uh, they asked me what that was, and I tried to explain it to them. And now they're in a home. So you don't even know what the argument's about. You don't know what it was said. But already, I know I've got you. I've already won you over. Now I have to yeah. win the audience over. So I think it's no secret that my favorite movie of all time is The Godfather. I I find it very difficult to separate Godfather one and two. To me, they're one long story and one great movie and in fact in the 1970s when they premiered on tv that's what they became uh francis ford coppola edited the, edited the two movies together putting them in chronological order uh, called the godfather saga and obviously to make it better for television as a serial that played out over several nights or over several weeks he put in loads of deleted scenes to make it longer so that it would be i think seven hours so like seven hour long shows over the course of a few nights and I know a lot of deleted scenes in movies are pretty pointless, and you think, yeah, I can understand why that hit the cutting room floor. This material is gold. I completely understand why I had to go from the theatrical cuts. The movies were very long as they were, but this is great stuff. Whether it's scenes that extend existing moments in the movie, which give more of the plot, which extend people's characters, or completely new subplots, or stuff from the books that didn't make it into the film. And... As much as I love the standalone movies, and as much as I love Godfather 2 in its correct form, which is with the flashbacks, there is something about this viewing experience that is special. And I learned from Twitter from a guy called John at Sketchy One Poker that HBO were airing it in the States. Uh, the epic Godfather cut, seven hours, ten minute runtime, airing on HBO, and I just tweeted how jealous I was because I had the VHS box set, and I wish that this show was available on DVD or Blu-ray, actually, I'd settle for a UK TV screening. In comes Mr. Phil Casey. First of all, first of all, I think this is like, how did it take us so long to figure out like that putting a movie on se on seven nights of television, like we do that now, but it's like, they had this idea of what, 30 years ago? Yeah, this was when it was uh, premiered on, on TV. One of the reasons that led Coppola to do it is that this was back in the day when movies premiered on network television and you had to lose all the sex and violence. So what he started doing was putting stuff back in to compensate for the stuff he was having to take out. The epic cut, as opposed to the saga cut, is the uncensored version 
plus all the additional scenes. It's like the okay, ultimate... so that's that's what was airing on HBO over the weekend because I saw it on. It was like eight something hours long. Dude, I think. I'm so jealous that you get to see it because I haven't seen it in years, and it's so I mean, I'm good. Not gonna, I'm not gonna watch it. I, I feel bad. I wish that you could swap places with me because I I don't really give a shit. Anyway, so obviously I voiced on Twitter that I was a big fan of this cut that I wish I could see it. In comes Mr. Phil Casey. His response. If you can't tell a story in two hours, you are incompetent. What an idiot! What a fucking moron! Sorry. <laughs> so, my response to Mr. Uh, Casey. So basically you're saying the writers of The Wire, The Sopranos, Breaking Bad, The West Wing, and Game of Thrones <laughs> are incompetent. Oh, here we go. The thing is, you didn't even start off with a little jab. You went for like a like almost a haymaker to start off. Uh, Phil responds, None of them set out to make a feature film. Therefore, your argument is invalid. Oh, he invalidated your argument, James. Except, as I responded, the Godfather epic was produced for television, so it's a very valid argument. Mr. Casey responds. This is great. I, how I get in trouble for being petty, and this is so far crazy petty, but I love it anyway. You're right, though. Phil says, so are you saying it's a TV serial or a film? Suggest very different parameters. To which I responded, the epic cut is a TV serial, but for the record, your two-hour rule for films is utter nonsense. At which case, John at Sketchy One Poker, the guy who originally tweeted about The Godfather being yeah. on TV, who's been tagged in all these tweets, just responds, it was such a moronic comment, I just insta-blocked him. Which is exactly <laughs> what I should have done. Instead of engaging this dude on Twitter, I should have followed John's line, which is basically say, nah. As you said, that comment was so stupid. Why even bother replying? So did you... The thing is, no, because I believe me, James, I understand taking the bait here, right? Because you're like, this argument is so winnable. Like, I can't even just let it go because it's so dumb. He's going to obviously see the... Er no. The anyone who makes a statement that dumb in the first place is just going to argue you to death. And good job, buddy. Like, you know the word parameters. You're very smart. <laughs> he is You're actually fucking brilliant. He is actually a journalist for the Press Association, which is why I think he's verified on Twitter. His final response, by the way, uh, was to tell me that um, he was going to... He was basically going to make me look a fool by proving his two-hour rule, and but he was about to get on a plane. So once he got off the other end, he was basically going to get back in touch. Haven't heard from him since. Uh, maybe, I would be worried. Maybe it's going to be. He, maybe he's really going to make a fool of you. He's going to do it in skywriting, and he'll do it in less than two hours, and then he'll be like, boom. I mean, I am willing to concede that there are far too many movies that are far too long. Sure. Every single Judd Apatow comedy, sure. all the Marvel movies. And yet, two hours is a good kind of ballpark for any movie. But to say that if you can't tell a story in two hours, you're incompetent to a filmmaker, is just ridiculous. Makes sense. If you can't tell certain stories in two hours, you're Agreed. certainly incompetent. But there are stories that we're making them a two-hour story would be actually your incompetence. Correct. And that's exactly what initially happened with The Godfather. Uh, Coppola turned in his cut, which I think was close to two hours 50. They said, get it down to like just over two hours. And then when he presented like a two hour, 10 minute cut, they're like, no, put all that stuff back in. This doesn't work. This is awful. I mean, what? Sh Schindler's List was incompetent and Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom was incompetent. And... Um, like, I mean, so many movies cl clock in at two hours and five minutes, like, like some of the best of all time. 
The Sting, I think, is over two hours. The Great Escape. What the fuck is wrong with these people? Exactly. In summary, the argument wasn't going anywhere. And the, I, I can remember now, because this was a couple of weeks ago, the only reason I even engaged this guy is I was bored because I was watching uh, It was uh, the NFL Divisional round, and it was one of those games which just turned into a complete shellacking. I know you're not a huge fan of the NFL, Joe, but you will agree that playoff games are normally really good, right? They're normally really close-fought contests. Yeah, the Panthers were like 35 nothing up on the Seahawks. It's like, there's still three quarters to play. And I could sit here and devote another two and a half hours of my life to this. Or I could just look at stuff on the internet. Yeah, like my roommates said, you know, Jesse's pretty sports obsessed. And he said that they were they were blowouts. So it's not, you know, and the thing is, I, I will admit that playoff football is exciting. But for me, like, if you're going to look at the NFL like a TV show, I don't give a shit about the like the story arc of the series, like, but the individual episodes can be pretty interesting sure. when I when I get around to watching them. Sure. Um, I have the opposite of a social media beef. I don't. What do we even call that? Social media filet mignon. Yeah, well, it's still beef. I don't know. Somebody get in touch. Somebody just I'm social media lamb lasagna. <laughs> yes, exactly. I don't, it, sure. I have no. I, Lamb lasagna, we'll call it. Whatever it is, it's a good thing because... Uh, Lamb lasagna is delicious, by the way. Just, that's, that's why I came up with that. Oh, okay. Well, beef is... Whatever. We're getting, we're getting lost here. And the, the important part is that Carl Parrish, who is a super fan of, uh, of uh, our shows, and if he wasn't before, he certainly is now, wrote a really nice blog directed at me and James, and I wasn't even going to bring it up on the show just because like, it seems a little like you know like really masturbatory, but... Somehow, what happened, James? Somehow, like some of our higher ups saw it and were like talking about it, sort of behind our backs, and then all of a sudden we got looped in over the weekend. Well, what the whole Pope does, Neil Johnson, is he scours the internet for things that people are writing about the EPT, which I guess is part of his job to look at like player feedback. And he got hold of Carl's blog, sent it to like management, so they all got to see it as well, and now think we're brilliant, which is, which is great. Thank you, Carl. Which is great. I mean, Carl, it, you may want to try to you know, win a Pulitzer if you can convince our bosses that we're doing a good job. So <laughs> um, you got a real talent for your creativity. Uh, look, there is uh, one story, James, before we uh, move on to the poker news, one story from Prague that um, I can't, like we ran out of time and it's just too good not to share. So I was there um, with my girlfriend and I think I mentioned on the, uh, the last uh, video episode we did that we went to a beer spa Yes, I remember the uh, beer spa story. Yeah, the beer spa and the yeast and all that. So um, after the beer spa, we went and walked around and had a bunch of drinks. And we got back to the hotel room like 8 or 9 o'clock at night. And we were going to go uh, meet up with – I think we were actually going to meet up with Francine that night. And But before we went out – no, we weren't. We weren't going out at all that night. And so – Look, me and my girlfriend, long story short, me and my girlfriend are being intimate in the hotel room, okay? To okay, like not... I don't, don't need any more information. Well, a little bit more information is that we were oh. like, maybe not in like a, like a really, uh, well, I wouldn't say like a traditional position. Oh, for heaven's sake. I see her, and, and oh, for the first time ever, James, I got upgraded to a suite for free. It was awesome. We were staying in this awesome suite. And so she, I see her like kind of cocking her head to one side, and I see that she hears something. And... She's like, hello. And she had heard someone coming into the room. And I was like, well, surely if someone's coming in the room, when she says hello, you know, they'll, they'll stop and announce themselves. <laughs> and they didn't. And the dude rounded the corner, like through the little kitchen, and then stopped at the, in the doorway and stared at us. And 
he was just and she was like hello what's that and then he he was just didn't say anything and then finally i'm like hey what's up and he's like i'm sorry uh, the, I, i'm from the front desk and i was like nobody here called the front desk. like what are you and then he was like and then just turned around and walked out like maybe maybe an apology maybe he might have been like sorry i i don't i don't even think he said sorry to be honest just just to rewind a second at the point you realize that there's some strange dude in yeah. your room are you not like scared shitless because my first thought wouldn't be oh it's someone from the front desk it would be shit someone's in my room well yeah like i just am so used to hotels like being like i I wasn't afraid it was a random person because he was wearing like a hotel uniform. But the way he behaved. I've seen movies and people put on uniforms of people who work in the hotels when they want to invade people's rooms. That happens. Yeah, absolutely. And so that was my thought. Like once he were, and he had a backpack too, which I found was really weird. And I was like, what is, or maybe, so maybe this is some guy that just put on the, like the hotel shirt, or maybe it's um, like a hotel employee that like, this is like his thing, like walking in on people when they have oh. sex. Like it was all just so very, wrong. so, and I was like, and the thing is like, I was, I'm, this is a, uh, I've been thinking about this a lot. Like when I have a girlfriend and like, I, when we go out, like I pray that no guys talk to her, not because like I actually care, but because like, I don't want to have to do something. Like, I just don't want to have to like figure out what that point is where like i have to like step in like i just don't want to have to do anything but now this has happened i'm like i gotta now i gotta do something like you can't just like let that go you don't have to freak out but like you kind of gotta do something what if you get on stairs like we wanted to go down and go get another drink like just because we were kind of shook up and i was like i don't have to walk past this guy i don't have to walk past this guy who just watched just have sex for like six seconds and so we went out and I didn't see him. And on the way back in, I walked up to the front desk and I was like, hi, look, I don't really know what just, you know, I was up in my room and my girlfriend being into and some guy walked in and she was like, yeah, we know. <laughs> oh, wow. He's told the entire staff of the hotel words spreading like wildfire. And what it was is that he's like not a, like a regular hotel employee. He's like the overnight engineer. And they sent him to a room they told him was empty to go like fix something and so he just like walked in without thinking about it because the room was supposed to be empty so it was a random mistake it wasn't some creepy voyeur it wasn't I, mean, I don't think so i think that he was genuinely so shocked that there were people in the room that was supposed to be empty like he didn't know how to react oh poor so, dude now i feel sorry for him at first i was thinking this guy needs to come up and but now i actually feel sorry for him what do you feel sorry for him people pay good money on the internet to watch me and my you know what actually let's move on I feel some, oh, by the way, I'd have felt a lot more comfortable, a lot more comfortable hearing this story if your girlfriend was still your girlfriend. The fact she's now your ex-girlfriend means I find the whole thing a little bit, I don't know, distasteful? What, why why couldn't you just have said, my girlfriend and I were sitting in our hotel when someone came in? Why did we have to have the sex part of the story? Because the sex part of the story makes it so much more interesting. It's like, say, why does Star Wars have to take place in space? <laughs> All right, let's do some poker news. Now, normally, at this point, we would have our uh, EPT Not Live News sting, complete with my uh, live singing. But I thought, as the main news story of the week is something a bit different, we should have a piece of music that's a bit different. So what do you think of this, Joe?
I think uh, I like it. I'm like a little too embarrassed how much I like it. Ah, uh, you see, we are talking about the prestige, the glamour, the pointlessness of poker awards, ladies and gentlemen, because the nominees for the 2016 American Poker Awards have been announced, and our very own Joe Stapleton is up for Presenter of the Year. Yeah, yeah, no, as usual, I'm embarrassed to admit how happy I am about this. Like, I'm legitimately very happy, and, like, I would love to be the guy that's too cool who's like, whatever, man, awards are stupid. Awards are stupid until you could possibly win one. And then you're like, this award is a little less stupid. What I love about this, by the way, is, look, I'm not saying that these awards don't mean anything, and you and I have attended the European Poker Awards a couple of times, and obviously it's great to be recognized, it's great to be nominated, even better to win, but I think it's a very European stance to take. There's a healthy cynicism about award shows. What I loved about last year's American Poker Awards was how everyone was just so into it. It was like, this is the best thing ever! And bless you, that's a very American reaction to something which basically involves blowing smoke up people's asses. I mean, you know, I'll never say that. Like, I'm not even capable of feeling that way about anything, including people I date. I'm just like, yeah, it's fine. That's good. Everything's all right. So, um, but, you know, and I would like to... I, I would like to be even more cynical about the awards. A, of course, I'm not going to now that I'm nominated for something, but B... <laughs> You're hosting the awards, right? I, I, you know, I don't really know, to be honest. I still don't know. Like they're, they're like two weeks away. How can you not know? Basically, I was like, I wrote to Alex, and I was like, Alex, I, just ta- I was just talking on the stream about how I'm like doing some stuff for the GPI coming up, and they're like, no, you're not. It's Kara Scott, and I just want to know, am I doing this? He's like, yes, during the draft, you're going to be on the stream. Kara's going to be on the stage. Okay. So I'm actually hosting the web stream of it, not the stage show of it. Ah, okay. I I thought you were very much the main MC on the stage. Yeah, I don't think that that's the case. And then he said, for the awards, we're still figuring out what your role is going to be. <laughs> so I don't know what I'm doing. Maybe I'm just going to be running trophy like a seat filler. That could be my role. Maybe it's a slightly awards. awkward situation where you were meant to be presenting the awards, but now they know that you're going to win Poker Presenter of the Year. They can't have you hosting the show. That's a very nice thought, but I don't think that they have um, figured that out just yet. I mean, um, in all seriousness, as with any poker awards, there is some controversy about the categories and where people or events fall into a certain category. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this is a weird one, right? Poker presenter of the year, because you're up against Sarah Herring, Kara Scott and David Tuckman. Now, you and David obviously do a lot of poker commentary. Kara Scott does a lot of uh, on-camera hosting. Sarah Herring does like live reports and live videos from live events. They're very different roles. And how do you compare oranges and apples here? Yeah, it is, it is pretty weird. Like, I think that all of the people who are nominated are certainly really good at what they do, but maybe what they do is not – they shouldn't share a category. Um, I don't – like, I, I don't know really what to say about this without sounding like, like ego, but I feel like to put someone like Sarah Herring who is up against people that are on television is, like, a little unfair to her. Um, you know, maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe there's more people that watch poker news than watch, you know, ESPN or whatever. I'm not sure. Maybe I just have an archaic way of thinking, but just, I think as far as exposure goes, but I guess it's a panel, right? It's a panel. So the people who are on the panel are probably going to be able to look at that objectively, I hope, and say, look, we can't, we, if we're having to, you, you know, I think that you should judge a, 
the the presenting not necessarily on how big the platform is, but how good they are. So hopefully everyone gets a fair shake. I mean, there's a couple more which uh, are kind of a bit odd. I mean, media person of the year, I think, is even weirder in the sense of the eclectic range of people nominated. Joey Ingram, Kevin Mathers, Kev Math, Donnie Peters from Poker News, and Jason Somerville. Here's a question. Why is Jason Somerville not in the poker presenter of the year category? Surely what he's doing on Twitch is presenting poker. Yeah, uh, I, th- I think that's a great point. And, you know, why is one poker news thing in the media and one's a present? You know what I mean? Like it's, um, hey, they, you know, they got their own way of doing things there. And w- one thing I really like about Alex, he goes, yeah, we make mistakes and we're just going to fix them year to year. And um, he doesn't, you know, we've seen him fight a couple things maybe a little too strongly but for the most part he's like yeah okay this wasn't as good as it could have been and we're going to make it better next time it's a tough one because no one wants an award show with like 28 30 categories i understand why you want to keep it contained nobody Uh, wants an award show period (laughs) (laughs) well i was going to say that but uh media content of the year you've got brad's blog on the uh the the bust of that uh underground poker game uh you've got a cnn feature on faraz jacker Jason Somerville's Twitch broadcast during WCOOP and uh, a Joe Gyron photograph of Daniel Negreanu. Again, you're comparing a live stream with a news report with a photograph with a news article. Do you think do you think you could fix it? Um, Because if you can, uh, I'm not and I, I'm not saying this as a challenge, but if you can, like, do it up and let's take it to him. Yeah, I think I could suggest some improvements to the media categories. I'm not an expert when it comes to the actual awards that go to events sure. or to moments. But I think with some of the media stuff, I do think there is a neater way of doing it and ensuring that you are recognizing uh, traditional TV, uh, maybe online content, and then what is traditional print content. I think there's a way of doing it like that rather than grouping them all together. Yeah, um, let's write them down. We'll get, take that French fuck out for a fucking cafe au lait and let them know. <laughs> Uh, Just to pick up on some of the uh, important nominees, sorry, Joe, but for most people, it's going to be about the events and about the players and about the moments. Uh, I've got to be honest with you, because these are mainly American events, didn't really see most of them. I I, I didn't either. I was on the nominating committee and, you know, I, 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 unfortunately, it's not like the Academy Awards, right? Where you can like go view every single thing they're talking about when they're saying like best tournament over two thousand dollars like i don't know how to judge that so i I had to base a lot of it on like my perception of how people felt about it yeah and obviously uh, i mean and that's another question i was going to ask by the way about poker presenter of the year now this is not meant to be a burn this is just a fact you are not really presenting any poker in the united states of america totally and i wasn't sure how that worked because because i was like all right so is it mike my rule, it seems like, is it either has to take place in America or you have to be an American. Except, Except Neil Scott. <laughs> and also Neil Johnson. Neil Johnson won the European Poker Award, for example, for Industry for his, Person of the Year. For his work in, in Europe. For his work in Europe, even though he's an American. Surely it should be more about the market rather than about the nationality of the individual or am i am i now just going into a level of detail that really no one gives a shit about it could be except i don't think he's excluded from the american poker awards i think that he may or may not have been on the list of people to be nominated for something so i think that if the venn diagram overlaps you in both spots in that you a work in europe and that you b are american then you should be able to be eligible for both and same i think that's why kara you know kara scott is not an American, but her work mostly airs in America, so she is nominated for an American sure. poker. 
Um, so I just wanted to pick out a couple of the categories that are actually about poker. Um, tournament performance of the year. The only one I saw was Joe McKeon winning the World Series of Poker main event. Didn't see Jonathan Duhamel win the uh, one drop. Didn't see Mike Gorodinsky win the Poker Players Championship. And didn't see Ant Zinno win the WPT LA Poker Classic. Um, and haven't really read much about those either. Sorry, my bad. So I find that one very difficult to rate. But surely the guy who won a tournament with a... Uh, 8,000 plus field and went wire to wire at the final table. How has he got any competition? Well, yeah, the thing is, we don't know the individual stories of those other tournaments, but and I will say that I was on the nominating committee and I did nominate Joe McKeon's performance because I thought that it was, uh, you know, it was the one that I had seen. And I think that, um, and it was something, I do think it's worthy of winning an award. Um, but again, what's great, I think, is that this is done by panel, and you would hope that the panel has seen a little bit more of the stuff they're judging than you or I. The other one is moment of the year. Antzino goes back-to-back, winning two WPT titles. Impressive. More than 22,000 players enter the World Series of Poker Colossus for a chance at a bracelet. An amazing event. I still can't quite believe they pulled it off. Phil Helmuth wins bracelet number 14, uh, something that many people didn't think he would do. And this was not a, a No Limit Hold'em brace, this was Raz. Daniel Negreanu busts 11th in the World Series of Poker main event. That last one feels weird because the others are all great things. They're positive things. And like, man busts out of poker tournament. Shouldn't it be Daniel Negreanu, you know, makes the final 11 of the World Series main event? <laughs> yeah, again, like, remember, it's, we got a lot of French people working on this and they're not exactly, you know, some of the translations don't work literally and, you know, they're dark people, let's be honest. <laughs> they're, hang on a second, hang on a second. Daniel Negreanu busts in 11th place. Life is terrible. I can't quite believe I allowed this to slide. What? You were on the nominating panel and you ended up with a nomination yourself. Hmm. Strokes uh, well, chin. I don't I mean, assuming that there was more than one vote for me. Uh, <laughs> maybe that's all it took to get in. I, I will say this, James. I will say this. I voted to nominate the two people who I thought were the best at uh, at. at in the category of the, of the choices they gave. They, they, you could write in whoever you want. So there was you and who else? There was like, <laughs> you know, a dozen people on the list. Oh, you mean who did I vote for? Yes. Yeah. Who did your say, other vote go for? I'll just say of the, two, of the two people I voted for who I thought were the two best poker commentators on that list, one of them was nominated and one of them wasn't. <laughs> so that's all I'll say. So these awards, by the way, um, taking place at the end of February. Joe may or may not be hosting that ceremony. Is it going to be live streamed? I think it's going to be live streamed. So maybe it's going to be me commentating. <laughs> and now Kara is going to give away the award for best tournament performance. Uh, I have no idea what's going on. But yeah, it's at the SLS Hotel in LA. So I'm pretty excited. And uh, yeah. I'm I'm good to go on that. James, there's a, one other article I wanted to talk to you about. You emailed yeah. this to me, everyone yesterday, and I don't know if you intended for us to talk about it on the show, but you called it uh, Weekend Weekend at Bernie's, right? Oh, dude, the dead guy in the poker game. Yeah. This is amazing. So uh, th this this went viral yesterday um, now, after I, you I, gave it to I me. I came across the story because Barry Carter uh, wrote the story for yeah. Poker Strategy, and I read it, and I'm like, is this a bit? So I immediately replied to Barry, said, please tell me this is real. And of course, then I saw the YouTube link to the news report yeah. 
yeah. which had video footage, which made it even more funny. And then they linked to other stories. This is a thing. And it's quite common now that in certain parts of the world, I think this was in Puerto Rico, right? In certain parts of the world, what they will do is when someone dies, they will embalm the body and then put that embalmed body in a situation that the person enjoyed when they were alive. For example, riding a horse, driving a car, or in the case of this particular gentleman, playing in his home game with friends. I mean, I mean, go to. Uh, I don't know if we can give the website away. Find Barry Carter's uh, article and look at some of the photos. And <laughs> like, I know, I know. Is- look, it's tragic. The guy died of a heart attack at the age of thirty-one. But the fact that his embalmed body is sat at a poker table, and there are people literally stuffing hole cards into his dead fingers. They're literally moving chips for him, and the guy ends up winning the game. I didn't realize he actually ended up winning. Uh, well, he had all, he, they took a photo with him, all the chips all in the front chips, of him. Right? I mean, it's in a way, like you can look at this two different ways. I mean, yes, it is absolutely absurd, but it's also like really sweet. Like it's something like really sweet about it, even though it's complete kooky town. And the, the craziest part is not that they do it. It's that it's their reactions like, they all seem perfectly fine, like chilling next to a dead body. Like they're not particularly sad. Like some of them are smiling. Like they're posing for photos with it. I want to read you an email response because, as you said, I did email the story to a number of people, including yeah. you and including my wife, who was the first to respond. Her response was, "No, no, 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 just wrong." <laughs> like, oh my god, it is just wrong. And the dude, I mean. I don't know. So you guys, you should, I guess you should definitely check out this article. But James, this reminded me of uh, a gag that me and Huff used to uh, used to do on our old show, and I was hoping I could I could rehash it for a second. I'm about to say something whoa, that's going to make whoa Joe Stapleton rehashing old material a lot. Yeah, well, whatever. <laughs> you you create something. <laughs> you be the brains of the operation for once. Uh, and uh, like, there's going to be about a dozen people who, when I say this, are going to get really excited. But here we go. Now, every once in a while, there comes along a news story that is replete with comedic chestnuts. And when such a story comes along, it is James and mine's jobs to pick it completely bare of these chestnuts. And in doing so, we must have our news story round robin joke off. Uh, The headline is, man plays poker at his own funeral. James, I'll kick things off because I wrote a couple extra ones. Go for it. Man plays poker at his own funeral, never woke up with a hand, also never woke up. Man plays poker at his own funeral. That's a guy who's not going to give off any neck pulse tells. (laughs) Man plays poker at his own funeral, still has a better post-2003 record than Chris Moneymaker. (laughs) Man plays poker at his own funeral, he's drawing dead before the flop. (laughs) Man plays poker at his own funeral, in honor of his favorite hand, he was buried using five large spades. Man plays poker at his own funeral, guilty of some epic stalling on the bubble. (laughs) Man plays poker at his own funeral. Unfortunately, even after he went bust, Poker News had him listed as still alive. (laughs) That's my favorite. You win the internet for that. That's it. I'm out. Okay, Joe, let's talk about the the gig that you did and the uh, post-gig party that happened as well. Let's do it. Event Recap. Event Recap. 
This this music is uh, is awesome. It sounds like Nightstand. It sounds like uh, like a like a 1988 Showtime comedy half hour. Once again, I went to our favorite audio site, audio network, typed in stand-up comedy into the search bar, <laughs> and this was the first hit. I'm short on time, people. I'm time no, poor. That's what it's there for. That's what that search bar is there for. Well done. This is great. This makes me feel like, yeah, like an 80s stand-up. What's, what's the deal with the background music? Um, <laughs> so I had my first uh, stand-up show in New Jersey, and it was a book show, which is nice. It wasn't an open mic, and it was just in a bar, and it started at 5 o'clock at night, but I figured... You know, I can invite all the Jersey people that I know uh, and then have a party afterward. Uh, it was going to be our housewarming slash going away party. We've been living in the place for like seven months and we haven't had a chance to have a party because I've been gone so much. And now it turns out I'm leaving to move to Los Angeles imminently. So I was like, this is probably the only party we're going to get to have. So we're going to ha have a housewarming slash going away party. And I didn't know who to invite because obviously like I wanted to invite the general public to my show, um, but I didn't want to necessarily invite everyone to my house. But then what happened, and James, you probably never experienced this, but like when you're throwing a party, sometimes like when you care about being cool, which I know you don't, uh, when you care about being cool, you want like the right number of people and the right people to be at your party. Yes. So at, so at first, for like the first round of invites, you like maybe only invite like a really small number of people because if all those people show up, you're good. Well, what happened was I expanded the circle of people that I was inviting to this party so many times because I didn't think anyone was going to show up. And I was like, I can't have an empty party, especially if like only four people show up and they're people from that outer circle. Like this is going to be one of the all-time worst parties. So I was like, first I invited 10 people, then I opened it up to like other people. And then eventually by the end, literally anyone that follows me on Twitter or my Facebook was invited <laughs> to this party. I invited a guy... I invited a guy on my flight back from the Bahamas. I was like, hey, man, you live in New Jersey? If you want to come see some stand-up comedy, go see a party at my house. And he, he like happened to be this, this young, this like 19-year-old fan who was at his first P PCA. And he's like, wait, are, are, are Stapes, you're inviting me to your house? And I was like, yeah. Did at any point this come across as slightly desperate that you were basically trying to press gang people into attending your comedy show? Not until right now. In telling the story, that's unfortunately how it comes across. Look, I got to be honest. You know me, and I just have to be. And yes, it comes across. I was, like, really desperate. And, like, there was also some awkward moments in that, like, I just broken up with my girlfriend, and there was, like, a couple of girls I wanted to invite, but I also didn't want to exclude my girlfriend because she's still, like, a friend. You know what I mean? Like, and so that was kind of awkward. And then um, what ended up happening was, just for laughs, I invited someone from Tinder, and she brought a friend, so there were, like, these two two girls there uh, that I'd never met before. And then eventually my ex-girlfriend did end up coming. And so that so was So your Tinder date and your ex-girlfriend both attended. What could possibly go right? Uh, the, you know what? That, there were no collisions somehow. And it was mostly just because I played it very respectfully with both of them. I was just like, you know, we're all just hanging out. We're having a good time. But here's the one really sad thing about my party, James. Well, I guess it's already been kind of sad. The sadder thing is at one point I'm in my apartment looking around and uh, there's like a good 20, 25 people there. And I realized that none of them are really my actual friend. Like oh. all of my actual friends didn't come. Like my three friends from like, you know, 15 plus years who live in Manhattan, all two of them didn't reply at all. And one of them an hour beforehand was like, yeah, not going to make it. So I had like this really like 
sad moment where I was like, oh, look at me surrounded by all these strangers. strangers. Is this what you want? Is this the life you want? Is this why you don't have any real connections with any real people? Um, but it was super, I, but other than that, right? After that one moment, because the people who came were really cool. Uh, like a bunch of folks came out from Twitter. These two dudes would come out to see one of my shows in New York before. Um, Zuli Bonilla, she was there. I got to meet Zuli and her girlfriend. Unfortunately, she wasn't just lying about being a lesbian. She actually is a lesbian. So <laughs> there was no point in me trying to put even more danger into that situation. So it was really good. And um, in the show, I didn't even really talk about. I didn't even really talk about the show, but the show itself was was great. Like I went on right before the headliner, which is cool. About twenty, like I said, about twenty people showed up. So I, the, the whole back row was like full of people that were already super supportive of me. And um, I was supposed to get the light. They're supposed to light you, you know, to tell you your time's almost up when you have nine at, at nine minutes. So you have one minute to wrap things up. I went like 12 and a half and they never lit me. Wow. So, yeah. So, and that's, you know. That's because the fuse went. Exactly. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's like, how, my, why is my flashlight always, it's like a horror movie. It never works when you need it. Um, so, yeah. So I didn't get the light. It was a pretty good performance. Um, one, of, one of my better ones. And uh, everyone was crazy supportive. Uh, it was just really fun. It's a great night. So I actually took a little clip of the intro. I thought I'd play that for you guys now. I'm, I'm not actually a professional poker player, but that's uh, the danger of when you say, don't give me an intro. Um, I do professional poker commentary. I just want to give a quick shout out to Max, uh, who was the first comics night. It's very tough going out first. Max, I loved your story about uh, your sex ed class. If I could share one really quickly. Uh, in my sex ed class, they made us all watch a video uh, of a guy uh, checking himself for testicular cancer. And as soon as there was nudity, uh, one of my friends got up and walked. He started to walk out of the room. And before he could make it out, he passed out. <laughs> he hit the floor. And apparently, like 1% of the male population, when they see male genitalia, they pass out. 1% of the male population, 100% of the girls I date. Uh, Happy New Year, everybody! Happy New Year! Yeah! I, uh, I love New Year. I prefer New Year at Christmas, because if you say Merry Christmas, you can offend people, right? But Happy New Year is totally fine. There's no one in here that doesn't believe in the concept of time, right? We're good? No fourth dimension dwellers in here? I just got back from my, uh, my holiday travel. I landed at Newark Airport last night. I watched the worst movie on the plane. It was called Flight Time Remaining. <laughs> Horrible CGI. So the good news is that uh, I was able to watch it on my second flight also because I had to see it through to the end. I just kind of know what's happening. Uh, for Christmas, I went and visited... Uh, this year, I went and visited my biological parents. I'm not adopted or anything, but I like to call them that because it really pisses them off. <laughs> Like, I just want them to know I've got options, okay, at this point in my life. I'm choosing to be with you, not the other way around. Obviously, you mentioned the fact that uh, none of your best friends could be there, but it wasn't a room full of complete strangers. I'm, I'm impressed that as many people from the poker world turned out as did. You already mentioned Zuli. Yeah, well, we had some, some super fans show up, but also uh, we had some poker royalty show up. Greg Merson 
was the first person to reply to my Facebook invitation. He was like on that first little inner circle because I knew he wasn't a complete freak show. And um, <laughs> he was like the first person in. And he came and he was in a bunch of photos with people. And uh, you know what's really funny is that um, the guy, when the, the MC, when he came up to me and he's like, what do you want your intro to be? And I tell him, I don't want an intro. Just say like, you know, he's a comedian new on the scene. He goes, okay. And then the guy gets up there and then introduces me as a professional poker player, um, which is in the clip. Um, so I think he may have been confused because he might have, you know, heard people say Greg was there. So not only was Greg there, but Greg is here. Please welcome to the show, World Series of Poker main event champion, Greg Merson. Greg, what's up, man? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for coming on. I feel like it's really weird. Like, I always, I do have like a special reverence for main event champions, but like the last bunch of y'all have been like really normal dudes. You seem like you don't really like being introduced that way, would be my guess. Um, <laughs> I mean, I guess I'm more just used to it now, but it, it was, it took some getting used to and I didn't really care for it in the beginning. But now, now that it's been some time, I can look back and just be, uh, like thankful that I can have that introduction, you know. The one that so, sounds uh, really funny is when you say world champion. Well, you mean just because so, if you don't specify World Series or like poker? Yeah, if you say the world champion of poker, which I, I know that this event is regarded as that, but I still think it kind of sounds weird. And I imagine, Greg, the first time you hear yourself referred to as the world champion of something, it must be a bit weird. Yeah, especially because... Uh, it's just, it really is just one tournament. I mean, I, I know that it is the tournament, but yeah. uh, especially these days with all the high rollers and super high rollers, there's there's people winning seven figures, seems like, every other day now. So, um, I mean, it still has its prestige for sure, but I, I just, I don't know. The seven-figure paydays are uh, are just... Ten a penny. Everyone's a multimillionaire these days. It's uh, it's kind of it's kind of weird hearing Greg be so humble. When aren't you the guy that when you won said now everyone knows I'm the best in the world? Wasn't that you? No, that was Ryan Reese, you <laughs> moron. <laughs> Greg, I did want to ask you. So you came to see my show last Saturday night. What did you think? It was terrible. Oh God! At least you get late. At least <laughs> finally honest. an honest review of Joe Stapleton's comedy on this show. Yeah, the secrets out. <laughs> no, nah, it was really good. I mean, it's hard for me to to not watch and not be biased because I thought you were best or second best behind the headliner. But I mean, I know you, so I already have like background and I already think you're funny type of thing. But I thought you killed it. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. And I appreciate that so many people came out and just sort of had that attitude. Like I almost felt like at first that like wow all these people coming out who already like sort of love me or else they wouldn't come uh is like a lot of pressure but then i realized that like no everyone like really wants to laugh and so i just want to say thanks for being so supportive and for being the first person to rsvp <laughs> yeah i was uh it's just too much downtime these days always on social media well that's i mean now you're are you're uh you're one of the legal grinders playing uh, out of new jersey are you playing right now no, not right now. No. Okay. Hopefully, what's, what's if I your, feel better today, then I will play later. What's your like grind schedule like? Like, what do you do? Um, it's been a little slow during the day now, so I'm putting in a lot of hours at night between seven and midnight. But I'll play during the day a little bit, just if you can find something. Oh, I was really happy also to uh, to to meet your girlfriend, Greg. Was it creepy when I told her that I had already seen like every photo of her on the <laughs> internet? 
No, no. There's been uh, a bunch of people that have said that to her when they meet her. Now, can, cool. I, can I inquire, Joe, as to how you saw every photo of her on the internet? Because Greg and his girlfriend, they post like a lot of like really cute couple photos. And James, I know you don't have a Facebook, but you do the same thing I do like on Twitter. Like yeah, when someone sure. tweets at you and you see like a cute girl in the avatar, you're like, let me blow that up for I a second. I just wanted to <laughs> check it was via Greg's social media channels and you weren't doing Google image searching of, of people's names. Uh, no, 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 no. But I definitely, every time there's a photo, I'm like, check out, check out this young sauce pot. Check out... I mean, and it's always from like a wedding or something. So they look fantastic all the time. So I was like, nice to finally meet you in person and not just have to creepily make sure I don't like one of your photos in the middle of the night. (laughs) How did you feel about um, now? There were a couple people that sort of were like geeking out that you were there and wanted photos and stuff. Um, Is it nice that that still happens? Um, Yeah, it's fine. I try to keep that at a minimum just because I enjoy having a a normal or that as close to a normal life as I can, but I, I, I definitely like appreciate it. And I would say like 98% of the people are, are cool and normal about it. And they're not overly, uh, like clingy or familiar. Yeah. Just they're, uh, they're just like, cool. You know, like most of the fans that I've interacted with have just been normal, cool people. So I'm sure you've had like similar experiences where there's some crazy people out there that, won't stop talking to you but greg greg joe doesn't care if they're crazy sane (laughs) or batshit out out of the park he just loves the attention uh james is not wrong unfortunately (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i have to ask you a question related to this greg there's been a lot of focus on the world series main event in recent years about the fact that the winner is kind of expected to be the global ambassador for poker and i don't know how that came about and i'm interested in how you feel about it because in my mind you owe nothing back. It's not part of the prize package that you then have to be like the equivalent of Miss World for the year. Yeah, no, that's a good question. And and I, I think when I when I first won, I, I wasn't sure how I wanted to to take on that role and I I I didn't really know I didn't really know how to deal with that and I was very defensive and had my guard up for the first like six to nine months and then I think I just realized that I'm going to go to whatever stops that I want to go to. And like part of my responsibility is to just, uh, you know, keep the atmosphere fun at the table. Try not to be that kid wearing, uh, like headphones and not keeping it, uh, like interesting for the amateurs and just trying to be nice to staff and dealers. And I don't know, just, just like representing the game, uh, on and off the table with respect and not necessarily having to go to every single tournament stop and show my face everywhere, but just like, trying to uh, give the game, like show the game in a positive light, you know? Yeah, it seems like you're just, you're just be a decent person is rule number one. You know, yeah. people are watching you more. I actually, I've interacted with you, you know, not a ton, Greg, in real life, um, but I saw you, uh, we were standing at the luggage carousel. We were waiting at the airport together to go to the PCA and then also waiting for our luggage together. And I have to say, I don't know if you were doing this on purpose or it's just who you are, but there was this Korean kid who was like super cute and so excited. And he had just satellited his way in and you answered every single one of his questions honestly and earnestly and weren't trying to give him the brush off. And I just think that that is being a great poker ambassador, whether you're trying to or not. Yeah. I mean, he, uh, like meeting someone like that is like seeing the, the dream in someone's eyes like that, because I guess it's still part of 
uh, part of me every day. And like that fire and passion for the game, I still love the game so much. And to see it at like an earlier stage where this was this kid's first uh, EPT, um, and he flew all the way from Korea. He'd been traveling for almost forty hours. It was just you know any anything he wanted to know, I was gonna answer every question in depth. So um, like people like that uh, definitely make me feel lucky to be able to do what I do. So that's just you being you. That's not you being poker ambassador. You just love poker and you're like genuinely excited by this kid's excitement. Yeah, for sure. In that instance, yeah. I mean, if it was someone a little bit more annoying, then I would just uh, have to deal with it for the other side of things, you know? This this kid was adorable, James. He was just yeah. like the cutest thing ever. I don't even really like talking about poker that much, but I was like, what do you want to know? I'll tell you anything. <laughs> well, here's the thing, Joe. and like, This is my question for Greg, because I think he might have a view on this. Joe always says that if he were to somehow bink like the World Series main event or an equivalent poker tournament with a seven or eight figure prize that you would never hear or see him again he'd be gone he'd be out of the industry i think joe that if you actually started winning at poker you'd rediscover your love of the game uh, well that's the thing is i do love the game but because i don't do it as a job like i'm sure a lot of prostitutes really like sex before they start <laughs> for money like you know what i mean like i to me it's i'd say pure because it's a hobby and because you know and that's that's what i I don't have the same obsession for it. Um, I don't think I would disappear forever. I would come play an event here or there, certainly if they're willing to put me in. Um, but I just, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> On the scrounge, I, despite taking down a seven-figure score. Yeah, well, absolutely. Well, because the thing is, I'll have sold like 700% of myself, so I'm going to need to make that up <laughs> somehow. Uh, no, but I like I appreciate Greg's passion for the game, and I think guys like Greg, like even though like people winning players are sometimes bad, like people who love it that much as as much as Greg do, like actually motivates people to play also. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't really know where I'm supposed to go with that lead, but I'll take it. <laughs> I love I love the game, and um, like I'm still playing five or six days a week. I don't play as many hours as I used to because I'm just older and can't. Do it. I'm older in terms of a uh, online cash game player, uh, in comparison to the the competition. Uh, I just like can't compete at a high level for more than like thirty or thirty five hours a week online. Um, I used to play like sixty, seventy hours a week when I was nineteen or twenty. So I wish that I could play that much sometimes, but I just don't have it in me anymore. Now, Greg, regarding uh, the uh, the comedy gig, we've obviously heard a clip, uh, a couple of clips, in fact, of Joe's routine. We've had your review. Joe's told us some stories of who else was there and how the night went. He hasn't told us about the after party yet. Can you tell us anything about the after party? <laughs> I didn't. I didn't make the after party. Oh, you blew him off! Oh, come on, <laughs> Greg. I I was good. I was planning on giving Greg a hard time about not going to the after party, but I. It's like you know. Greg's not the biggest drinker in the world these days, so I could understand why maybe an after party isn't exactly your scene. Is that did that factor in? Yeah, and uh, I guess it just, just depends on what type of mood I'm in, whether I want to be around that stuff. And and uh, I just got back from PCA and just wanted to have like a chill night with my girl because I didn't, like when she came down to visit the Bahamas for a few days. I was sick for the first half of it, and I just hadn't seen her much lately. Yeah, didn't you? Weren't you like? Didn't you have to like change rooms because you destroyed your bathroom before your girlfriend came? <laughs> no, no, not that bad. But I, I had food poisoning in the Bahamas for a good like thirty six hours, and it was. Ugh. I have food poisoning from Jägermeister several years in a row. <laughs> Does the not makes you... count. <laughs> uh, one last question about that night, Greg. 
Uh, was it really awkward my roommate cornered you and tried to get you to play on our dodgeball team? <laughs> no, not at all. I wanted to. I'm just afraid, man. I really am. Like, I, uh, I, I just had the one-year anniversary of tearing my Achilles, and I, I, I had never uh, torn or broken anything and never had surgery. And like, I'm still not 100%. Um, and just, I don't know, it's like still in my head, and I just don't think that I could be like out there cutting and stuff uh, with confidence yet. I'm just, I don't know, it's, obviously it's all mental and it's a freak injury, but the not being able to walk for two months just um, makes me uh, cautious about wanting to do stuff like that. No, I totally get it. I hurt my back doing kettlebells once, and the doctor's like, it's very unlikely to happen again, and now I still won't do them. Like I'm just like, nah, uh-uh, not yeah. going through that again. Yeah. All right, Greg. Well, I was hoping you'd play a game with us before we get out of here. And I think what I'm going to do from now on, if I play a game with a professional poker player, I'm going to like offer up. I'll uh, I'll send 25 of my own dollars to charity of your choosing if you beat the game. The name of the game is Did Stapes Cry in It? Now, last week I talked about how I went to see the Kid Poker documentary at the Bahamas, and I was just in. I was like just soaked in tears and snot by the end of that movie. Complete strivens. I was shrivensing out, and I have—I tend to cry a lot during movies. I never cry at my own life, but I cry a lot at movies. So all I'm going to do is I'm going to read you the name of a movie, and just very quick, rapid fire, you just have to tell me, yes, Stapes cried in it, no, Stapes did not cry in it. And if you get more than 15 right in the next two minutes, because I'm going to go really fast, I'm actually do more than 10. If you get more than 10 right, uh, I'll donate $25 to a charity of your choosing. Okay. okay. James, you're going to keep score? I'm going to attempt to. All right, here we go. Did Stapes cry in it? Titanic. Yes. Incorrect. Armageddon. No. Incorrect. Uh, Wreck-It Ralph. Uh, no. Incorrect. Definitely, <laughs> oh, definitely wow. cried during Wreck-It Ralph. Inside Out. Yes. Incorrect. That movie's a total what? snooze. Cider House Rules. <laughs> Never seen it, but I'll say no. Incorrect. Oh, God, Greg. Toy Story 3. Yes. No. <laughs> I don't like cartoons. Edward Scissorhands. No. Incorrect. My girl. <laughs> I, I cried so hard at Edward Scissorhands. Think about it. It's a guy that grew up his whole life with scissors for hands, and then when he finally meets a pretty girl, he can't even masturbate. <laughs> My girl. Yes. Incorrect. Oh, See, man. Wait, this is not real. Big fish. Uh, no. I cried harder than any movie I've ever seen before in my life. <laughs> I've never seen it, so I just had to guess based on the name. Field of Dreams. Yes. I did, in fact, cry during Field of Dreams. He's on the board. Wow, that is uh, one and nine is the score <laughs> right now. Not what? only do not only do I cry during Field of Dreams, I cry every single time, and I start crying earlier and earlier into the movie, thinking about the part that makes me cry. Here we go. <sighs> The Community Claymation Christmas Special. What? Yes. Yes, I did cry during the Community Claymation <laughs> Christmas Special. Edge of Tomorrow. No. Definitely cried during Edge of Tomorrow. <sighs> the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air series finale. <laughs> of course. Absolutely cried. Absolutely. I felt like I was losing a part of my family. The Shawshank Redemption. Yes. Did not cry. The Notebook. Yes. Did not cry. Up. Uh, no. Correct. What's he at? How many has he got right? Uh, one, two, three, four, five right. He's got five right. Okay, we're going to give him five more. He's got he's to go straight straight through, though. He's got to hold out. E.T. Yes. 
Incorrect. It's over. Oh. I did cry during Glory. I did cry during the video game Red Dead Redemption. I did not cry during The Sixth Sense. And I most definitely did cry during Unbreakable. I think... Uh, so let me Greg get this right. Sorry. You cried during the video game Red Dead Redemption, but you did not cry during Up, Inside Out, or Toy Story 3. What is wrong with you? You are a psychoanalyst's dream. Those Pixar movies are just stupid most of the time. I picked up on that towards the end, that just to say no to all the uh, cartoon movies. It's so weird though because I don't animated cry at features. They're not cartoons. I don't cry at Pixar, but I do cry at Wreck It Ralph, which is just amazing. Like the one about the video game come to life. I I have no idea, guys. I I, I got some issues. Anyway, Greg Burson, thanks for lots uh, for being with us. I will. Uh, I'm going to donate twenty five dollars to charity anyway because I don't. Uh, <laughs> I don't like doing that. I don't like denying charity based on the fact. Hey, you lost a bunch of flips right now, but I think you're probably going to run good today. Oh, of course, man. Yeah, I've been running good this year so far. I'll take it. I love your logic. On the basis that you lost a lot of flips in a stupid game, it's all going to balance out when you play poker later on, Greg. Of course, yeah. <laughs> hey, Greg, I appreciate it, man. Have a good one. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Uh, enjoy uh, your time off until Dublin. Thanks, dude. Talk to you soon. All right. Take care. Thanks very much, Greg. So let's look at what's coming up in the world of poker tournaments as we go into the lobby. Joe, I don't know if you missed this announcement, uh, Probably. but PokerStars Live at the Hippodrome has announced that it's sponsoring two poker players. I saw this on Facebook. Kelly Saxby, I think, is one of them, right? Yes, and Chris Gordon is the other. Uh, both now representing PokerStars Live at the Hippodrome, and they are going to be making their debut with their patches in that UKIPT series event that we talked about last week. It's happening this weekend, the 30th and the 31st of January. You can't make it to the Hippodrome to play live poker. You can, of course, play online. Just wanted to highlight a couple of satellites this coming weekend, Joe. One to the UKIPT in Dublin, because the next big festival that we'll be attending is a UKIPT slash EPT festival. And the UKIPT event is a 1,000 euro tournament. There is, on Sunday the 31st of January at 3.30 Eastern Time, a 100 euro satellite with one package guaranteed. There are five satellites into this tournament and there is one at 12.20 Eastern Time which costs one euro and 65 cents. So the nice. idea is you play that one, you win a seat into the 100 euro satellite, you win that and then you're going to Dublin. Uh, alternatively, if you want to try and qualify for the EPT main event at 5 past 6 Eastern Time, in the evening that is, uh, a 320 euro satellite with one package guaranteed, and uh, a little over half an hour before that, at the very precise time of 5.31pm Eastern okay. Time, there is a 10 euro 20 cent satellite, so you can win a seat from that tournament into the 320 euro sat. couple of things about that. First of all, there's a there's an EP Dub, EPT Dublin. Yes. When it was like springtime or Valentine's Day is when we start streaming from Dublin. 2016. Yes, two weeks from now. Okay, I'm gonna have to move some things on my calendar. Um, second thing, is it bad that I'm like really jealous that that the that the Hippodrome has sponsored players? Like I feel like it's like kind of someone making out with my girlfriend. Like I love the Hippodrome. I would love to be. 
Like, I don't even want to be a professional poker player, but I would love to be sponsored by the Hippodrome because I just love playing there. Maybe someone shouldn't have moved out of London and maybe you'd still be with a chance. It's like watching someone make out with your ex, but like, you know, (laughs) you had to break up with her because you were moving away. So you you want her to be happy. But ultimately, you will be over this side of the Atlantic very soon because, as we mentioned, we will be in Dublin from the 14th of February, seven days of live streaming from the next leg of the European Poker Tour. Uh, Shall we see if we can send a superfan to an EPT, or at least into a satellite for one. Let's try it. One of them loves the EPT, knows it inside out, and would do anything for the European Poker Tour. The other one is Joe Stapleton. It's Superfan versus Stapes. So let's say hello to this week's Superfan. Please welcome to EPT Not Live, Sean McCaffrey. Hi, Sean. Thank you very much, how are you? And where are you in the world? I'm in Belfast or Lisbon or uh, I'm in Northern Ireland, basically. Near Belfast in Northern Ireland. Uh, how long have you been a poker player slash fan? I'm sorry, I have to ask a question really quick. What is this Northern Ireland everyone's always talking about? Is there like an island above England? It's very complicated matter. <laughs> you could probably ask a few people in Dublin about it and they'd have a nice time explaining it. Is it, it doesn't sound that appealing to live in a place that's an island and is also northern. Joe, Joe, can I suggest that yeah. you watch the movie Michael Collins? That might help you understand That would things. sum up a lot of things. Michael Collins, is that the one with George Clooney where he plays the lawyer? <laughs> that's Michael Clayton. Michael Collins oh, okay. is the one with Liam Neeson. Sorry. Oh, oh, I'm just seeing here and it's Northern Ireland. I Okay, there we go. Ah, uh, I, I love it when I get trolled on my own show. It's amazing. By not by one of the not by one of the listeners, but by my co-host. Colin. Who is your daddy and what does he do? You're not Colin, you're Sean. Sean, who is your Oops. daddy and what does he do? Well, my daddy is the one who actually got me into poker, and he's probably actually the only person I'll know who'll be listening to this podcast with me on it. So hello, Daddy. Hey, what's <laughs> up, Mr. McCaffrey? McCaffrey. Now, Sean, you confess to being a Game of Thrones fan and you have picked Game of Thrones as your specialist subject uh, in this week's edition of Superfan vs. Stapes. And, Joe, I know that you religiously watch the programme as well, so I think that this could be a close match. Yeah, I don't think there's anyone, though, that watches the show more than I do that doesn't get it any less than I do. I'm like, who is that guy? And my my roommate will be like, he's been on the show for six seasons! I don't want ever... this. I don't want like, this to come back and bite me in the ass. But I've been on Game of Thrones. Wow! I've been on Game of Thrones. Wow! Can, oh, can you reveal? You. Can you reveal in what context? I was just an actor, to be fair. <laughs> so can't disclose a lot of information about it because contracts and whatnot. But ah, it was good. Good crap. If this ends up being a bunch of questions about like what they had in craft service, James, going to kill you. <laughs> it's not. I call this quiz Game of Quotes. Because it's a series of lines from the first five seasons of Game of Thrones. And you have to attribute the line to the character that spoke it in the TV series. Sounds impossible, but uh, it's a very clever idea, James. Good work. Now, up for grabs are two points per quotation. If you're struggling and you need a clue or just something to point you in the direction of who might have said it... You can ask for a clue, but that will reduce your potential score by one point. Do I make myself clear? I love it. Yep, that's great. I'm so excited for this game. This is going to be such a fun game. Are you excited, Sean? Yeah, let's go. Let's go. All right. 
Superfan versus Stakes. We're going with a chop pot t-shirt and a 27 euro step C ticket up for grabs. Sean McCaffrey, you're our guest. You're the super fan. Uh, so you can pick. We have questions one through 10. So please pick a number, one to 10. Seven. Seven. <laughs> it's always coming, seven. Here is your quote. Power resides where men believe it resides. It's a trick, a shadow on the wall, and a very small man can cast a very large shadow. Well, that sounds like it has to be Terry. It is not. Joe, you can steal for two points. I'm going to say that is was Varus. Correct for two points. Talking oh, yeah. to Tyrion. When he's, when he's trying to convince Tyrion to, like, you know, do something. Exactly. Oh, exactly. Uh, Joe, you are 2 0 up, and it's your question. Uh, one through 10, not seven. I got to go with number nine. Number nine. The man who passes the sentence should swing the sword. Uh, that is gonna be um. Oh man, what's his name? See, this is why it's really bad. Hold on, it's the it's Ned Stark. Correct. Oh wow, and Joe takes the early four nil lead. I kind of unintentionally was like a nit roll there. Like I obviously was gonna get that answer, but for a second I was like, oh my god, I can't remember. <laughs> Sean, next question. What number do you want to pick? Number one, please. Number one. If you think this has a happy ending, you haven't been paying attention. Ramsey Bolton or Ramsey Snow. Correct. Two. For two points. You don't get a bonus point for both his names. Uh, wow, that's impressive. But though. it is what impressive. What a fucking show off. He like, just buzzed <laughs> the clock tower. Uh, Joe, you still have a two-point lead, and it's your question. I'm, I am ready. It's, uh, question number 10, please. Question number 10. They are my children. And they are the only children I will ever have. Take me to them. Cersei Lannister. Incorrect. Sean, you can steal ah. for two points. Um, Daenerys Targaryen, is it? Correct. She was talking about the dragons. Uh. And we have a tied game. Four points each. And Joe, it's your question. Question. Um, we're tied at four. Give me question four. Question four. You're a hateful woman. Why have the gods made me love a hateful woman? Uh, we are gonna go with the Kingslayer Lannister. What's his name, Joe? Jamie, Jamie Lannister. You. Yes, that Joe retakes the lead. Six gotcha. four. <laughs> Sean, uh, two, three, five, six, or eight. Two, please. Number two. I'm simply asking you to run my kingdom while I eat, drink, and whore myself into an early grave. Oh, Robert Baratheon. Correct. So we are tied once again at six apiece. James, you know what would have been good for this game, even though we haven't needed it? Like, maybe like a quarter of a point if you could just describe it. If you're like, it's the one with the face and the thing <laughs> with his hand. <laughs> like, if you know who it is, but you just can't say the name, that should be worth something. Because that's what my whole experience is watching this show. The guy with the sword thing and the other guy. By the way, I would like to point out that no one has asked for a clue yet. You're going for it, and I admire that. Uh, Joe, I believe it is your question. All right. Uh, have we done question one yet? Uh, we have done question one. Hold on a second. One, two, three, four. Hang on. I've, at some point, I've done this. It should be oh, Sean's God, question, might... right? Sean, I don't... Sean, you... 
win everything because I like it when James messes up. <laughs> We've had six um, questions and Sean went first, so it must be Sean's question, right? No, I don't care. This is great. What are the choices again? Uh, you can have three, five, six, or eight. Number eight, please. Number eight. It's the family name that lives on. It's all that lives on. Not your personal glory, not your honor, but family. You understand? That's Tywin Lannister. It is correct for two uh, points. Okay, would, I would have got that one too. That's good though. I, I'm just afraid that like there's going to be a couple in here that I'm not going to be able to get. And so far, like I'm afraid I'm going to end up with them. All right, let's go. Three, five, or six, Joe. Three, please. Three. Sometimes a person must choose. Sometimes the world forces his hand. If a man knows what he is and remains true to himself, the choice is no choice at all. Oh, God. Remember, you can take a clue. I'm going to take a clue. This was a character who had to make a very difficult decision towards the tail end of the most recent season. Ah, okay. That is going to be... Um, uh, Stannis Baratheon. It is for one point, but because you took the clue, it is only worth one point, which means heading into the final round, Sean leads eight points to seven. Oh no, I thought I was I thought I was tied. Shit. Okay. No, because you took the clue, you dumbass. Yeah. Uh <laughs> no no I, I sorry, I thought it was tied when I took the clue. Sean. Five or six. Number five, please. Number five. Why are you sorry? Because you're an evil bastard with no conscience and no heart? That's what I liked about you in the first place. Tyrion Lannister. It is Tyrion Lannister, meaning you are now on 10 points. I can't win. But let's see, Joe. Let's see if you can get this last one right. Number six. Did I just make the same mistake some dumb football team made over the weekend by only getting one point when I needed to? <laughs> exactly, yes. You you did a New England Patriots. Uh, uh well... At least the Patriots lost. It, to, to be fair, they missed the extra point, which is why they then had to go for two later in the game. It's not important. Uh, you already swore me one oath right here in my castle. You swore by all the gods your son would marry my daughter. Um. Uh, oh boy. <sighs> Do you want I, the clue? I, I, yeah, give me the clue. Is that... Argus Filch from the Harry Potter movies. Yeah, the, I don't. I won't know. This is the guy that killed everybody, right? Oh, I, oh, geez, that might have been a spoiler. Um, anyway, something really bad happened because of this guy <laughs> being pissed off, and I can't. What I don't remember his, his name? name. I don't know his name. I don't know it. Sean, I'm afraid there's only one point up for grabs, but why don't you put this one to bed? Might as well just end it with Lord Walder Frey. It was Walder Frey, meaning the final score is 11 points to Sean. Seven points to Joe at some point during that quiz. Someone may have got an extra question, but it doesn't matter because, Sean, you are a winner and you are going to get the 27 euro step C ticket and you're going to get an Everyone Loves a Chop Pot t-shirt. And I think <laughs> it's fair to say, Joe, that Sean very much proved that he knows Game of Thrones. Yeah, he did. Well done, buddy. Sean McCaffrey of House Superfanian. Well done. Thank you very much. Thank you for coming on the show, Sean. We will be in touch to get you your prizes. Great to be here. So I know I was kind of joking when I said that he was from House Superfanian, but we gotta we gotta come up with something like that. We gotta we gotta brand ourselves more because 
Maria Ho's got the like um what does she call her fans? The Hoettes or something? The oh homies. She calls them her homies. Oh, that's a good one. Is Jason Somerville's got the dirty basement kids? We gotta we gotta brand we gotta brand our fans. Well, we got a fan we got a fan brand. You haven't got much on your plate at the moment, so maybe you might want to get to that. James, I've I've a lot of television in Rocket League and also going to the gym to do. Uh, look, I don't know. We, we're just about out of time, but I don't I don't really know what's going on next week. We got no TV recap again next week. By the way, a I, lot of people are asking about the TV shows, and I can't confirm any exact dates right now, but it's looking pretty good uh, that we'll be back on air in the spring, probably at the beginning of March. Uh, so the first. Uh, sorry, the final seven shows from EPT Season 11, those are the shows covering last year's Grand Final. They'll be going out in the UK, then they'll be available to watch on the Pokestars YouTube channel, and then immediately after that, literally the very next week, uh, we'll kick off EPT 12 with Barcelona, Malta, and Prague. So hopefully we'll have stuff to talk about again, and people will have stuff to watch from March of this year. It's just going to be a little while, so uh, no new TV to recap next week. I did save some secret behind-the-scenes footage from the, uh, what are we we calling that thing? It was the PCA 2016 Invitational. Invitational, sorry, yeah, including a piece of Too Hot for TV footage in there. So we'll throw that out there, and hopefully something else happens we can talk about, because, you know, I I was hoping we could do an event recap. Gail Garcia Diaz was supposed to come to New York this week to see a Muse concert with me. And I know she does have the tendency to flake on me, uh, which is ultimately what happened. But she was like tweeting Muse lyrics for like the last two weeks and like just sort of dropping all these hints how excited she was to come to New York. Now, look, James, I'll say that two things happened. One, she was like, didn't book her ticket, didn't book her ticket, didn't book her ticket. And then like I... Uh, last week before the snow hit, she was like, oh, I'm starting rehearsals for a movie the next day. I'm going to see if I can still do it. And then when she tried to book her ticket last minute, the storm hit. Nah. And she was like, 80% of the flights to New York are canceled right now. And the, I, it was ironclad, James. I couldn't, there was nothing I could say. It was just an ironclad excuse. So anyway, I thought that I was going to have a news concert to recap. I mean, I'm still going tonight. Um, maybe I'll try to give it, take it away on Craigslist and talk about that on the show. Oh, God. Just don't do something stupid for the sake of generating content. I do want you at, to actually be here next week and not in kind of intensive care. I promise nothing. So that's all the time we got for this week's show. For James Hardigan, I am Joe Stapleton. Smell you later. 